is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. Well, we're going to take a look at some of the economic things going on in our commentary today. We're going to talk about January stagflation. You know, a key economic mistake that people make in thinking that growth leads inflation. One reason they do is because inflation is a monetary phenomenon. When money is too easy, first growth rises, then inflation rises with a longer lag due to excess dollars in the system. This process reverses when money is tight. First growth slows, then with a longer lag, inflation does too. That makes 2023 an anomaly. The economy has maintained resilient, but year-over-year consumer price inflation has moderated from a peak of 9.1% in the middle of 2022 to 3.4% in December of 23. One theory is that high inflation was all due to economic bottlenecks and supply constraints during COVID. So the end of lockdowns and the process of getting back to normal has expanded supply, leading to both faster growth and lower inflation. There's no doubt the imposition of lockdowns and then the reopening from these lockdowns had supply-side effects, first negative, then positive, and are consistent with this explanation. But it's a flawed explanation. If supply constraints and their loosening were the key drivers of inflation, we would expect pandemic-driven inflation to be followed by outright deflation as the economy reopened and returned to normal. That clearly hasn't happened and inflation remains stubbornly high. Instead, we believe monetary policy played the key role. The M2 measure of money supply soared 41% in 2021, the fastest since World War II. This measure of money supply then declined 3.2% in 22 and 23. That's the largest two-year drop since the Great Depression. These swings in M2 the relative size of the swings, larger up than down, and the long legs between shifts in M2 and inflation do a much better job of explaining the inflation pattern in the past few years. The problem with this theory of monetary dominance is that classical liberals like Milton Friedman and the Austrians would expect economic growth to take a hit before inflation were brought back down to normal. And yet real GDP growth, 3.1% in 2023, which is above the 2% long-term trend. So what gives? Well, our belief is that the U.S. injected so much money so rapidly that the economy couldn't absorb it instantly. So now, what we have seen is that even though the M2 has declined, we still haven't absorbed all the money that was added. Some call it excess savings. We call it excess M2. But the U.S. has finally absorbed the excess money, and fiscal stimulus is waning as well. And guess what? Recent reports for January show an economy that may be weakening faster than most investors realized. Retail sales fell 8 tenths of 1% for the month, have declined in three of the last four months. Manufacturing production fell a half a percent in January, and manufacturing, excluding the auto sector, the auto sector is volatile, has declined four months in a row. Meanwhile, home building got hammered in January with both housing starts down 14.8% and completions down 8.1%, dropping sharply. It's possible that cold and normal January temperatures were a factor, as well as unusually high precipitation, but the drop in starts was in every major region of the country and the drop in completions happened in most regions except for the West. And while weather was bad, quantitative measures of national heating requirements were not unusually high in January. We've had bad weather before, and the apocalyptic weather reports are clearly clickbait for some in the news media. But housing starts in January were the second lowest for any month since mid-2020 during the onset of COVID when lockdowns still prevailed in much of the country. In other words, we see these data as potentially signaling broader economic weakness, consistent with a drop in retail sales and a decline in manufacturing production in January. And yet inflation was also a problem in January, 
with both consumer and producer prices rising three-tenths of one percent, faster than the consensus expected and inconsistent with the Federal Reserve's two percent target inflation. A weakening U.S. economy with inflation remaining temporarily stubbornly high would be consistent with the monetary dominant story of inflation's rise and fall, would also be a problem for the stock market. When we use our capitalized profits model, with a 10-year treasury yield of about four and a quarter percent, economy-wide profits would need to rise over 30% plus to justify the S&P 500 at 5,000 or above. But there's no way profits ex-Fed involvement, which are already high relative GDP, would surge that much higher in a soft economy. The current consensus puts profit growth at roughly 10% this year. So time will tell if the weakness in January becomes more widespread. On the surface, the job market still looks fine, with payrolls up about 300,000 in December and January, but the labor market can be a lagging indicator. Unprecedented policies during COVID have created noise in the data, but underneath it all, we still believe Milton Friedman had it right. A decline in money will lead to recession, and then a decline in inflation. Let's look at our global roundup for the week, and we're finding that tech earnings have rekindled AI enthusiasm. Global equities traded in record territory amid renewed enthusiasm over rapid advancements in artificial intelligence. Yields were little changed on the week, with the TUS 10-year Treasury note unchanged at 4.31%. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude oil fell 60 cents to 76.90 from a week ago, while volatility as measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, edged down to 14 from 14.4. And looking at our macro news, we see that the AI boom gives markets fresh momentum. Shares of graphic processing unit maker Navita soared after the company beat extremely upbeat earnings estimates by a wide margin on Wednesday afternoon. The devices are critical components in the data centers that power artificial intelligence operations. Markets rallied broadly after the news, helping carry Japan's Nikkei 225 to a record close for the first time in over 34 years. Several European bourses, or exchanges as we know it, closed in record territory on Thursday, as did the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 indices, though breadth was narrow. We're seeing that China's cutting its rates and aims to try to boost confidence. Chinese Premier Ling Kuang on Sunday called for a pragmatic and forceful action to boost confidence in China's economy, though he did not outline any specific steps during a meeting of the state council. On Monday, the People's Bank of China lowered its five-year loan prime rate, its key mortgage preference rate, to a quarter percent to 3.95 percent. Early in the week, the China Securities Regulatory Commission said it'll take heed of all suggestions and even criticism from market participants and would address their concerns promptly in an effort to bolster market sentiment. The securities regulator also created a task force to monitor short selling and said it would be considering a ban on institutional stock sales during the first and last 30 minutes of each trading session. We're seeing that Germany companies are upping their U.S. operations. According to Financial Times, German companies announced a record $15.7 billion of capital commitments in U.S. projects last year. That's up from $8.2 billion a year earlier and dwarfs the $5.9 billion that they pledged to China. Executives said that the combination of pragmatic U.S. government industrial policies, a strong long-term market outlook, and an increased focus on supply chains has driven U.S. investment. Others said Europe is increasingly suffering from overregulation, slow and bureaucratic approval procedures, and high costs at most production factors. A recent report by the German Chamber of Industry and Commerce forecasts that the U.S. would supplant China as Germany's top trade partner by 2025. And the U.S. warns Russia over space nukes. The United States told allies this week that Russia intends to deploy space-based nuclear anti-satellite weapons. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. officials have reached out to China, India, and G7 nations and other close allies to pressure Russia to abandon this weaponry. Officials are alarmed as it is thought the weapon would leave both military and civilian satellites vulnerable, potentially disrupting communications, infrastructure, and global economy. 
Russia denies the claim, saying it is categorically opposed to the deployment of nuclear weapons in space. Dick Donnie with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be right back. It's the final weekend of DeWard & Bodie's President's Day Sale on Whatcom and Skagit County's best in-stock selection of appliances, mattresses, and more. Now through Sunday, it's your last chance for DeWard & Bodie to pay your sales tax on specially marked in-stock appliances and mattresses. Plus, stack cash-back rebates on top of President's Day markdowns on select laundry pairs and appliance packages, like get up to $900 extra cash back when you buy four or more qualifying LG appliances. The more you buy, the more you save. Now it's your chance to get presidential savings on DeWard & Bodie's massive in-stock selection of refrigerators, freezers, dishwashers, gas and electric ovens and cooktops, laundry sets, and so much more. Plus, get unbeatable deals on beds at their Bellingham Mattress Showroom and get free delivery set up in Holloway with qualifying orders. Upgrade today with no money down and no interest for two full years on qualifying appliances and up to four years on qualifying mattresses. Visit DeWard & Bodie now during the final weekend of the President's Day Sale. It's game day at Jim's house, and the spread is impressive. Mike's already done some damage with the hot wings, and now he's dropping back and going deep for another slice of pizza. I sure hope he brought the Pepto. Mike knows the Pepto-Bismol provides fast, five-symptom relief from unexpected stomach upsets. He's no rookie. <laughs> the way he's throwing back those nachos, he's the GOAT. Be ready for game day with Pepto-Bismol. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. When you order food for work on EasyCater.com, we've got your back with 24-7 support to make sure everything goes right. Confirming with the restaurant, guiding drivers when they need delivery instructions, making sure the food arrives on time and is ordered. But if there's a problem... Thanks for calling EasyCater. Call us anytime, day or night, and we'll answer in seconds. Because food for work has to work. And we're right here to make sure it does. 100,000 restaurants, one platform. Order 24-7 at EasyCater.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. As always, thank you for being with us. We are Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Well, I'm going to continue on with our week's global and economic reports, and then I'm going to get into something that I think is really special. I'll talk about it when I get there today. But first of all, we're seeing that the market is finally adopting the Fed's rate view. After pricing in aggressive rate cuts from the U.S. Federal Reserve in late 23 and early 24, markets have moderated their outlook in the wake of a strong U.S. economic data points and signs that inflation may fall more slowly than feared. In addition to the solid growth trajectory, the strong rally in equities in recent months has kept monetary conditions looser than the Fed would like, easing any urgency for rate cuts. So as a result, the markets have trimmed the number of cuts in 2024 from nearly seven in mid-January to just over three currently in line with the Fed's own forecasts. The first cut is now fully priced in for July after earlier being priced in for as soon as March. And looking at some of our global quick hits, we're seeing that the U.S. has warned China that it'll act if China tries to ease its industrial overcapacity problem by dumping goods on global markets. And the Bank of England governor, Andrew Bailey, said this week that the central bank can begin cutting rates before inflation hits its 2% target. And in an effort to support the country's struggling property sector, China cut its five-year loan rate, the key mortgage reference rate, a quarter of a percent to 3.95%. Goldman Sachs raised its S&P 500 year-end 2024 index target to 5,200 from 5,100. It also raised its top-down S&P 500 earnings per share forecast to $241 from 237 in 24 and $256 from 250 in 2025. 
And the conference board's leading economic index contracted four-tenths of one percent in January, which is its 23rd consecutive decline. Though the downturn continues to signal headwinds for economic activity, the six-month annualized rate of decline has slowed sharply, prompting the organization to abandon its recession call. According to data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, U.S. consumers spent 11.2% of their disposable income on food in 2022. That is the highest percentage since 1991. And the minutes of the January meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee contained few surprises, though officials confirmed that they will begin in-depth discussions on balance sheet issues at the March meeting. The European Union and the U.S. announced that they will impose heavy sanctions against on Russia in response to the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden plans to invest $20 billion to enhance port security, including replacing cranes made in China, because of concerns that China could gain access to information about the shipment of material in or out of the U.S. to support U.S. military operations. Chinese cranes account for nearly 80% of the cranes used in U.S. ports, officials said. And Japan's government downgraded its economic outlook, citing sluggish consumer spending. U.S. January existing home sales rose 3.1% to 4 million at the annual rate. And Germany's forecast a sluggish two-tenths of 1% pace of economic growth in 2024. We saw the flash February reading of the S&P Global U.S. Manufacturing PMI rose to 51.5. That's its highest level since September of 22. The services index dropped to 51.3 from 52.5 in January. And we saw the Israeli Prime Minister outline a plan for the administration of the Gaza Strip after the end of the war with Hamas. The blueprint calls for the Gaza to be administered by local Palestinian officials without ties to militant groups and for Israel to maintain a heavy security presence indefinitely with a buffer zone along Gaza's perimeter. The plan has not been approved by Israeli's cabinet and is at odds with proposals put forth by U.S. and Arab governments. And in earning news, with 90% of the constituents of the S&P 500 index having reported in the fourth quarter of 23, blended earnings per share, which combines reported data with estimates for those that have yet to report, shows that earnings rose 3.8% compared with the same quarter a year ago. According to data with FactSat, sales growth is up 4.2% year over year. And we had the economic report out this week. Only one of any substance was existing home sales for January. And existing home sales started 2024 on a healthy note, rising 3.1% in January. It looks like sales activity may finally be stabilizing after two years of declines, which have been the worst since the lead-up to the great financial crisis. While one month doesn't make a trend, the good news is that the most significant headwind for the housing market is beginning to abate. Recent optimism about inflation and rate cuts from the Federal Reserve have led to a rapid decline in interest rates across the board. For example, though 30-year mortgage rates remain around 7%, they are down since peaking above 8% at the end of October. That said, affordability is still a big concern for buyers. If you assume a 20% down payment, the rise in mortgage rates since the Federal Reserve began its current tightening cycle in March of 22 amounts to a 25% increase in monthly payments on a new 30-year mortgage for the median existing home. Eventually, the housing market can adapt to these increases, but continued volatility in financing costs is going to cause some indigestion. In addition, many existing homeowners are reluctant to sell due to the mortgage lock-in phenomenon after they're buying or refinancing at much lower rates before 2022. This continues to limit future existing sales and inventories. Case in points, the month's supply of homes, which is how long it would take to sell existing inventory at the current very slow sales pace, was three in the month of January, well below the benchmark of five, with the National Association of Realtors used to denote a normal market. A tight inventory of existing homes means that while the pace of sales looks worse than 2008, we aren't seeing that translate into a big decline in prices. In fact, Home prices appear to be rising again, although modestly, with the median price of an existing home up 5.1% from a year ago. 
Putting this together, it looks like sales are near a bottom. We expect modest recovery in 2024. In employment news, initial claims for jobless benefits declined by 12,000 last week to 201,000, while continuing claims fell by 27,000 to 1.862 million. These figures suggest that we had continued job growth in the month of February. And I'm going to talk a little bit here about family caregivers and how they're struggling and feeling undervalued. That many of these unpaid caregivers in the U.S. who provide care to a relative with dementia say that they're drowning in their role. They're feeling the impact on their careers, finances, and family life. This is according to a survey conducted by the Wakefield Research at Oksuka, a pharmaceutical company and sponsor of the study. The results revealed that two in three family caregivers feel undervalued by society. More than half, 55%, described their role as the most important responsibility that they've ever had. The survey of 500 unpaid caregivers for all, of Alzheimer's disease or dementia patients in the U.S. was conducted from September 19th to September 27th of last year. And according to the survey, 72% of sandwich generation caregivers, that's those caring for both children and loved ones with Alzheimer's disease while also navigating a career, have been forced to cut spending on food for their family, tap into a retirement or personal savings, or cut back on their own personal medical care in order to save money. Among sandwich caregivers who work in an office, 82% said that caregiving directly impacts their career, with many having to take on fewer responsibilities, cut their hours, use vacation days for caregiving, and more. Nearly two-thirds, 65%, said their role is more stressful than any job that they've ever held in the past. Across the U.S., we have an estimated 38 million people, about 11.5% of the population, that are taking care of loved ones, according to a report by AARP. That care totaled nearly 36 billion hours over the value of nearly 600 billion in 2021. And the Centers for Disease Control Provincial say that caregiving is a public health concern due to the physical, emotional, psychological, and financial strain that it takes on providers, and that nearly one in five caregivers often neglect their own health needs or report fair or poor health as a result. Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be right back. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. KGMI has been the voice of our community for over 90 years, presenting the news and information that matters here while also offering you the chance to have your voice heard. And that commitment continues. Start your day with the KGMI Morning News with Deanna Harrelock from 6 to 9. And don't miss your chance to voice your opinion on the news of the day with Joe Tian on KGMI Connects each weekday at 4. KGMI is your news talk station. You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Have you really sat down and taken a good look at how much you're paying for home and auto insurance? I'm Derek Barnes, and by now you might know that my wife Denise and I own D&D Insurance in Ferndale. Over the years, we've seen individuals paying three, four, and sometimes $500 a year too much for their home and auto insurance. 
If we're going to be good stewards of the money provided to us, I think it's prudent we review our insurance and financial needs. Likewise, we've been given families to take care of, and if something untimely were to happen to us, it's good to know that we can still provide for our families even when we're not around. Life insurance gives us that opportunity. Don't put it off for another day. Pick up the phone and start making some wise choices. Call the agents at DD Insurance. They'll point you in the right direction. 392-8159 or visit us online at dndinsurance.com. We look forward to meeting you. This week with PNW Perks, get a taste of Italy at Deanna's Cafe Italiano. Thursday at 8 a.m., get a $50 gift certificate for just $25 at pnwperks.com. Deanna's Cafe Italiano offers authentic Italian cuisine in a comfortable atmosphere in downtown Bellingham. Everything is made from scratch daily, including handmade pasta, ravioli, meatballs, sausage, bread, and desserts. Using only the freshest and finest ingredients, they serve large plate servings, and every menu item is served with warm bread and toasted with herbs and cheese. And at Deanna's Cafe Italiano, you can watch your meal come together while sipping a craft-made cocktail while everything else fades away with the first forkful. For the past 25 years, Deanna's has been serving up great food and great wine with laughter and love in downtown Bellingham. Deanna's Cafe Italiano, open Thursdays through Sundays for dinner at 1319 North State Street, Bellingham. Thursday at 8 a.m., get 50% off at Deanna's Cafe Italiano, only at pnwperks.com. Hey, Gen Z. Talking to you. Did you know that HIV is still a problem in the U.S.? Did you know that HIV is not the same as AIDS? Did you know that all genders are vulnerable to HIV? Did you know that current treatments for HIV can prevent the disease from progressing and prevent transmission to others? Did you know that when HIV is undetectable, it is also untransmissible? Did you know that 21% of new HIV cases in the U.S. occur among those ages 13 to 24? Now you know. Get the facts about HIV and get tested. Everyone should get tested at least once as part of routine health care. People with higher risk factors should be tested at least once a year. The Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation can help you learn more and find free, fast, confidential testing near you at etaf.org slash resources. That's etaf.org to learn more. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and MyBellinghamNow.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Well, as I mentioned earlier... We've been remodeling the office, painting new carpets and stuff, been moving everything in and out of offices, having to take computer systems out, working through all of our transition from to LPL, including doing uh, reallocation of our portfolios and all these good things. And in the process of all these moves, why I've had a very extensive collection of books that I've uh, accumulated over my career in the business, and I came across one that I thought was really interesting that I thought I might share a little bit with today just because it's had a huge impact on my thoughts in the business and how I've conducted my business and the type of things that we've done in the, over the years. And this book was titled, What's Wrong With Your Life Insurance? And it was written by Norman F. Dacey. And it actually was published originally back in 1963. So that means it's been around for, what's that make it, almost 60 years, a little over 60 years. And basically, he was one of the original advocates of buy term life insurance and invest the difference. And when I first started in this business, I was out knocking on doors had a Changing Times article that actually was using some of the material from Norman Dacey in, in the article, and it was comparing the difference of owning a term life insurance versus a cash value life insurance. And of course, the 
Dynamics in the industry have changed dramatically since those days, especially on the investment side, because in those days we had some mutual funds that you could put money into monthly, and that was the vehicle of choice that I chose to work with my clients, was having them buy a term life insurance policy. Most of the term policies back in those days, however, were not level term, they were decreasing term. The most common ones was a decreasing term to age 65, but there was 10 year, 15 year, 25 year decreasing term as well. But the most common one, as I said, was that decreasing term to age 65. And so we would go out and we would do an analysis and we'd take a life insurance policy and we would look at what the premiums were that the client was paying or the prospect was paying. And we would break down, number one, how much money they were spending on life insurance. And the first consideration that we ran into in many cases is because of the cost of whole life, most people were underinsured, which means they did not have enough life insurance. And so one of the first things that we were able to do with term insurance was to go out there and have them buy far more life insurance on themselves and protect themselves and their families. Well, then we had the situation of the life insurance agents that uh, were in business back in those days. Some of them got a little angry with me a couple times. I had a couple personal incidences I won't share on the air today, but uh, I can tell you that they were very interesting at the time that they took place. One was over a kitchen table at a client's house with two agents from the other company and the clients sitting there and I left afterwards and and found a car blocking the road down the road a ways and these two agents had gotten out of the car and threatened me if I ever did that again they were going to rip my head off. Rather interesting experience to be candid. Anyway, still got my head. But the concept was that you would buy a term insurance policy, you'd buy a cash value policy and you'd have to save that money up and it would grow inside that policy. Well, Norman Dacey in his book, basically, What's Wrong With Your Life Insurance, pointed out that it was probably more profitable for you to separate the savings and the insurance. And of course, he made a big point of when you buy insurance, you've got health insurance, you don't have the savings policy tied into it. You don't have a savings policy tied into your car insurance. You don't have a saving policy tied into your home insurance. And you can go right on down the line. So the only place you found that you had a savings policy was with that life insurance policy. And so basically his theory was you separate the savings from the insurance. And it's something that I took note of and basically bought in on, I guess, really quickly as far as my process with my clients. So I was out telling people to buy term life insurance and invest the difference. And the vehicle we were using back there in those days was a mutual fund. Well, as part of this book, chapter 27, is term insurance plus mutual funds. And basically, it talks about how a person could put in a policy, like if they had a policy that they bought an endowment at 65, and the guy was age 40, and he purchased a $30,000 policy, he would have had a premium of about $1,082 a month, and at age 65, he would have had uh, paid in almost $27,000 on that $30,000 policy. And uh, basically, he went out there and he said at that time, you could buy $30,000 of reducing term insurance to 65 for $168.84 a year. That left a difference of $913.07, which could be invested separately. So he took the example of a couple mutual funds that were around at that time, and he said, if you put that same money in that mutual fund, and the funds had been in existence for more than 25 years, he went down and compared what the, what the value was and how much money would have been in the insurance, et cetera. And basically, in this case, he started out in 1937 with one of his illustrations and said, if you put that difference in that mutual fund, instead of going out there and, and having... Um, you know, thirty some thousand dollars in an insurance policy. The investor would have had over a hundred thousand dollars in the term policy or in the mutual fund. And then he took another illustration with another fund that had been around at that time from 1937 to 1961, and he said that premium difference would have been worth about one hundred and sixty-seven thousand. And so, uh, basically, the concept to buy term and invest the difference is what he focused on. And so today, the business has evolved. It's different. Today, I would say the most common 
policy we sell today is a term life insurance policy, but it's a fixed premium, and it's a fixed duration, typically a 10-year term, 15-year term, 20-year term, maybe 25-year term. And with the change that we've seen over the years as far as the investment vehicles that are available today, you know, the idea of going out and buying a separate mutual fund sounds like a great idea. It may not be the best way to sit down and do it, you know, because today you've got the use of things like an IRA where you can take money and put that that difference in premium in a mutual fund. You can put it inside a mutual fund inside of an IRA and accumulate it that way and you accumulate that money tax deferred. Or maybe you just put a little few more dollars every month into your 401k at work. Or you buy a Roth IRA, for example, and you put the money in there so it's after-tax money just like it was going in the life policy. Except that now this after-tax money is going into this Roth IRA using a mutual fund. And the money continues to grow. It grows tax-free. When you get ready to take it out, whatever age that is, you can take the money out of there also tax-free. Or maybe you want to take that money out here and put it in a 529 college savings plan for, for one of your children or one of your grandchildren. That's another option that you have. And, you know, we can go on down the line. There's a whole series of different places that you can put money in. If you're self-employed, you can set up a simple, you can set up a 401k. You know, you could just use a regular mutual fund still and do it that way. And you'll find that what we've seen over the years is the cost or the premium cost of the level term policies has come down substantially. So what I've done over the years is I've found that a lot of cases we would use a 20-year term policy, but maybe 8 to 10 years into the policy, we would sit down with the client, look at their health, make look at what their family situation was. In many cases, we would go out and reissue those term policies. So you know, the bottom line is that we do offer term insurance. We do a fair amount of it. You know, we represent a broad cross-section of companies, so we can be very, very competitive. We hear all these ads on the radio and TV all the time for term insurance. Well, we can compete with those ads and take care of you here on a local basis, so it is something that we can do. And, you know, I talk about this because, like I said, I'm going through my stuff and I find this book, and it shows in here, it shows my address at 1229 Cornwall Avenue, and that's the old building. It used to be above Provius Menswear. It's down there where the Garden and Home Store is now, right on the corner of Cornwall and Holly. And that was my first office in this industry. And I've got a little sticker in here from back in those days when I was in here with a little stamp with my name in there. And it just kind of brought back some interesting thoughts in the look process of looking at that. And then I looked in here and I found this boat, this chapter 27 about term insurance plus mutual funds. And I thought it would be worth my sitting here taking a few minutes in one of my segments of one of my shows and talking about what I think is a very, very solid concept. And that is for you to go out there and separate your life insurance. In other words, buy protection, buy it for what it is. Buy more protection, buy 500,000, buy a million. You know, buy a number that's going to do what you need to do. And, you know, again, it's something that we're more than happy to sit down and run quotes for you and give you comparisons and whatever. So if you're interested, if you got questions about it, I'm glad to sit down and even go through this old book, this old illustration with you because I found it kind of neat to look at. Anyway, you can always give me a call, 360-733-1200. Love to talk to you about it. Like I say, I kind of enjoy going back here and seeing some of these things. Not that I've ever forgotten about it. It's just kind of neat to go back and look at uh, how much of an impact it had on my time in this industry and how I've done my business over the years and the service that we provided our client. So I think it's kind of neat. Anyway, thanks, and I'll be right back. Psst. Psst. Hey. Psst. Hey, you. No. No, it's not your phone. It's me, the radio. Turn me up. You need to hear this. Looking for new furniture or a new mattress? Box Drop is the spot. Box Drop always offers 30 to 80% off retail prices on brand new furniture and mattresses with easy financing available. Stop by in Sequoia Drive off Cordata Parkway or find Box Drop Bellingham on social media. Comfort and style await at Box Drop Bellingham. Delivery available. Dedicated to service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement, and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by Neater House of Luxury. Angel, inspiration, tireless. 
Just a few words used to describe Shelley Larson of Fairhaven. According to Jane, Shelley's friend, our community angel Shelley routinely prepares delicious and nutritious meals for Bellingham's unhoused. And when a neighbor needs more than food, be it a ride to the clinic or a loving safe haven for a pet, Shelley is always ready to step in to help. Dedicated to service joins Jane in recognizing a truly compassionate soul. Thank you, Shelley Larson, for your care and dedication to all our community members. Brought to you by Neater House of Luxury. Go see why they were voted best jewelry store in the Northwest. You'll find a beautiful selection of GIA certified and lab-grown diamonds, plus unique custom designs with an in-house jeweler. Find them at 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's Back Patio. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you. As always, if you got questions for me, you can give me a call, 360-733-1200. And now that I've sat here and talked about buy term and invest the difference, I'm uh, going to move on to another topic that I think may be equally important and I thought it was really interesting when I saw the results of this study. And basically, it was a study that says one high school personal finance course reaps $100,000 in benefits, according to a new study. Basically, it says a high school student who takes a course in personal finance is going to reap a lifetime benefit of roughly $100,000, according to this new study. The calculable benefits of financial literacy include reduced credit and debt costs from better repayment habits, better credit scores, reduced student loan costs, reduced insurance costs, reduced borrowing costs, and more retirement funds and other assets, according to a study by Boston-based Titan Partners, an educational sector consulting and investment banking firm, and NextGen Personal Finance, which is a financial education advocate. Basically, they said that high school personal finance education, when implemented effectively, improves students' financial behavior, which improves their credit scores, therefore unlocks a cascading set of additional benefits through individual lives. The study found that the benefit varies by state, with a student in Maryland getting the highest benefit of $129,000 and a student in Nebraska getting the lowest at $81,000. The benefits for one high school course are felt the most later in life, according to the study. From ages 18 to 30, students will benefit by roughly $8,000 because they should have a better understanding of how credit works, the study found. Between ages 30 and 60, those students are going to buy homes, cars, and insurance. Their financial skills would benefit them by another $40,000. And between ages 60 and 80 plus, students would accrue another $60,000 from benefits from the personal finance course, according to the study. If you're factoring in credit, debt, interest, considering home and auto benefits, loans and insurance, and now bringing in one retirement assets, benefits grow even further later in one's life, according to the study. Said our benefits here assume that financial education leads to improved rates of financial literacy, which leads to improved rates of financial planning, which may contribute to two to three times greater wealth at retirement. As of March, only 24% of students live in states where a course is guaranteed while they're in high school, but since that was last March, but such classes are becoming more widely available, the study said. From 2019 to 2023, the number of states requiring such a course had quadrupled from 6 to 25. Quoting the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, statistic that 66% of Americans could be considered financially illiterate. The study said that financially illiterate people often take too much debt, which in turn leads to a cascade of negative outcomes. Along the road to adulthood, students encounter a series of financial decisions, whether explicit ones such as purchasing a car or home or ones with implicit financial implications like starting a family, the study stated. 
Their behavioral throughout the life journey shapes the wealth accumulated over time and retained at the end. Kind of an interesting thought. Again, financial literacy. Big, big, big problem, I think. And I don't think Jeff Bezos is financially illiterate, but you know he's reaping a huge Florida tax benefit with $4 billion of Amazon share sales. You know, he didn't cite taxes among the reasons for his recent move to Miami from Seattle, but the fiscal benefits of his relocation to the Sunshine State are becoming very obvious. Leaving Washington State, which in 2020 introduced a 7% tax on capital gains, could have saved Bezos $288 million in taxes after he unloaded $4 billion of Amazon stock. Bezos said in November that he was moving to Florida, which doesn't tax capital gains from Seattle, to be closer to his parents and Cape Canaveral operations of his space exploration company, Blue Origin. The announcement came a week before he put in place a 10B-5-1 plan to sell as many as 50 million Amazon shares, worth potentially more than $8 billion. The world's second richest person has already flexed his presence in his new neighborhood. The Amazon founder has spent $147 million to buy two homes in Indian Creek, which is a man-made barrier island known as the Billionaire Bunker, which he's expected to tear down and replace with custom builds. But for the state of Bezos left behind, in this, in this case Washington, is potentially missing out on tax revenue that could have gone to education and school construction the designated recipients of Washington's capital gains tax. A spokesperson for Bezos said Amazon declined to comment on the stock sales. And it's not clear how much Washington was counting on his richest former resident. The almost $900 billion that the tax brought in last year on capital gains realized in 2022 blew past the state's estimates. More than half of the revenue came from just 10 people, according to the state's officials. The, there's a ballot measure. Bezos moved demonstrates how hard it is for states to pin down the most valuable taxpayers, especially in post-pandemic world, where people and businesses are finding it easier to shift location within the U.S. Miami especially has become a magnet for the ultra-rich with their businesses thanks to low taxes, high quality of life. Several finance moguls such as Ken Griffin and Josh Harris have moved to the region in recent years, while Texas has also seen an influx of the wealthy from higher tax states such as California and New York. Washington's capital gains tax could disincentivize people to come here and incentivize them to leave, said Aaron Johnson, who's tax counsel at Lane Powell. That's a law firm that challenged the capital gains tax in Seattle and challenged it in court. He said anybody who has the wherewithal and the ability to create tax efficiencies will. Like Florida, Washington State doesn't have an income tax. But the capital gains tax was proposed as a way to capture some of the wealth concentrated in the state, which was from such corporate giants as Microsoft, Starbucks, and Amazon. The 7% excise tax went into effect in January 1st of 22 on gains over $250,000 a year. It excluded retirement account sales, real estate, and certain small businesses. The Washington Supreme Court upheld it as a permissible exercise in April, rejecting arguments from business groups that it's an illegal income tax. We also saw billionaire Ken Fisher said in March that he's going to move his firm from Washington, Texas, criticizing the capital gains tax and the court decision that upheld it. The capital gains tax now faces a ballot measure, likely to be on the voters, and it will be there this November, seeking to repeal it. The initiative is one of six conservative ballot measures supported by Brian Haywood, who's a money manager based near Seattle, who moved to Washington from California more than a decade ago, in part to escape high taxes and regulation. Haywood has said he's concerned that Democrats who have long controlled Washington's politics will build on the capital gains tax and try to implement a state income tax. He joined other anti-tax advocates in warning that these efforts will encourage the state's wealthiest residents to leave and make Washington a less attractive place to start a business like Amazon in the first place. So kind of an interesting kind of a FYI, be aware. Okay. Sometimes run into this discussion, equal inheritance for all the kids doesn't work. There's four scenarios which would be appropriate if one or more of your children inherit differently than their siblings. 
Every estate planner has conversations with their clients about how children should inherit. Most assume their children should inherit equally. Many clients contemplate treating children differently for various reasons. Here are some situations where an equal inheritance might not be appropriate, the pros and cons of such. One for one, a caretaker child where a child lives with a parent. Many times, one child primarily helps an elderly parent. This could include helping with medical appointments, coordinating care with various health providers, being heavily involved in end-of-life care, paying bills and companion care. Sometimes this care is provided by a child who lives with or close to the parent. If a child lives with a parent, it may be appropriate to leave the home to that child in exclusion to the others. This would either be done by simply leaving the home to the child or leaving the home to a trust for the child for their lifetime. Similarly, a parent may wish to give a caregiver child a larger percentage of their inheritance in recognition of additional help that they provided. Second scenario, child has special needs. Parent with primary caregiver for child, special needs child, then the estate plan should take this into account and ensure the child will be properly taken care of after the parent's death. Depending on available government aid, this could be a mean of special needs trust or supplemental needs trust for the child with more or less an equal share of the state being held by the trust. In this scenario, the other children can often be more understanding and practice many times the siblings are involved in the plan for caring for the grown sibling when the parents are no longer available. In scenario number three, a child has mental health or other issues. A child has, a, has these issues, such as mental illness, substance abuse, divorce, or creditors. It can be a child who's bad with money. It may not be appropriate to leave an outright inheritance and any inheritance to the child. The same is true for an estranged child. The use of trust to provide some protective support for that child may be appropriate. Occasionally, disinheriting is also an option. And number four, a child has more money than their siblings. Sometimes we have one child that's more wealthy than the others. They may say, hey, I don't need as much. Give it to the others. So what's right for you? While these can all have sensible reasons to treat children differently, there are all often difficult choices for parents to make. Many parents feel that they're morally obligated to treat their children equally. Otherwise, after death, the children are going to harbor resentment or sibling rivalries or resurface, irreparably damaging those relationships. But it's important to be completely open and honest with your estate planning attorney. Everyone has family issues. With these conversations can be difficult. It's best to give your estate planner all the family information so these choices can be considered carefully. So a little FYI. Dick Donnie here with you with Wolf Wake Up here in KGMI. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11. I want to thank you for listening. If you have questions for us, give us a call, 360-733-1200. Have a great week. Voiced on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.